today is a special day in yet another regard. What is it, a year since things changed all around us and daily habits to corporate habits? And the good news is we're moving out of that. Better news is what we've heard in today's Bible readings. And I want to talk with you about that special thing. And so, Lord, open my heart to hear and through thy word to me, draw near. Let me thy word here pure retain, and let me thy child and heir remain. Amen. Be seated, please. I came across a story a long time ago about a little guy. A little guy, Tommy, about, what, four years old or so. He was sitting at the kitchen table, and he was drawing while his mom was getting dinner ready. And she was interested, as was he, and she looked at Tommy and said, Tommy, what are you drawing? He said, oh, a picture of Jesus. And she said, well, you know, Tommy, that's great, but nobody really knows what Jesus looks like. Tommy piped up and said, well, they will once I'm done. <laughs> and I guess that's kind of the way it goes for all of us, right? Nobody knows what Jesus looks like. I mean, not objectively so, anyway. You can read the entire New Testament and there's not a word about what Jesus appeared in. Certainly no cameras, no pictures, even uh, paintings drawn. But yet, I know you've got a mental picture. And there's something in our hearts and minds that we do see Jesus in a very individual kind of way. Well, and there's lots of people. And for you and for me, maybe one of those pictures is what we get in our mind. The left picture is one that many of us grew up with by an artist named Salman. And then along came another artist a number of years later by the last name of Hook. And he's got what may be a little bit more friendly picture of Jesus. And perhaps that's the one that sticks in your mind or someone else's. But that's not all. Look, three, six, nine different pictures of Jesus. And I guess each one tells a little different story, doesn't it? Each one reflects something a little bit different of how a person sees Jesus. Or it spurs us on to do that. And then there's more and more pictures of Jesus. You know, I used to collect pictures of Jesus. And then I ran across the internet. And then I ran across books that have all kinds of pictures and it even goes to the extent that you have tons of pictures of Jesus, each telling its own story and each giving a different aspect of this very, very special being. But I don't think anybody or everybody altogether can capture everything about Jesus. But there is only one Jesus. There's only one, but there's so many different dimensions to him and to his work. And the one to focus on today is, by this time in our worship, uh, easy to guess. He is our reconciler. Our reconciler. Colossians chapter 1 puts it very pointedly as we look at a cross and the, the globe. And Colossians says, and through him... God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. 
That's why the earth is there. By means of Christ's blood on the cross. I remember that whole picture. And that's part of what I want to um, unpack today. You know, we don't often think about it, but we once were a little different than what we as people of faith are today. Sin has changed us. That sin has grabbed hold of us, whether we knew it or not, even from the moment of our conception and birth. This is basic Christianity. As we came into the world, it was as little ones. And while we looked from the outside as parents and grandparents, we saw a cute little cuddly person. And sometimes even the word innocent crosses our mind. But that's not the picture that's reality. That's a wishful picture. Because as that little one begins to grow, there's one thing we don't have to do. As parents, as anybody around a young child, we don't have to teach that little one how to sin, do we? You ever think about that? That comes naturally. And why does it come naturally? Because of the condition. Not the physical condition, but the spiritual condition that is in every single human being. We don't get a choice about it. That's how we are. Martin Luther said, by nature. That is how we come into this world. But there's something that's very important because God doesn't leave us there. And it's clear from that same book of Colossians how that works. It goes like this. Through God reconciled to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Different translation of what we just read. But goes on. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Did you catch it there? It's important what we were and what we are. See the underlining? It stands out to me and it needs to stand out. I'm not talking about the outward picture we get of a baby or even of ourselves as we look into the mirror or as we look and make a picture in our own minds of who we are and how we are. You know, it's easy sometimes to think we're pretty great, we're pretty together, and maybe a minor flaw or two, but at least as we develop and with our culture around us, it seems that we get reinforced that we're pretty good people, not like those in prison, not like those who've greatly sinned and gone astray, but that we are really quite okay. But speaking spiritually, we were not okay. We were sin-filled. We were, as today, really last week, the picture that Jesus is the life giver. He is the life giver because we were dead in our sins. And today's picture is that we were God's enemies 
even as we were dead in sin. There was something between us, something not right about our relationship. We'd rather not picture ourselves that way, but it's truth. We must believe what we can't see or what we want to deny. This is the true spiritual picture that God has of us. And you know what? Our feelings, our feelings do not change that reality. And here is where we need to begin. Here is the starting point of coming back to God, of God bringing us back to himself. In 2 Corinthians, St. Paul wrote, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to him. That's what we need to be reconciled. We need somebody who can make peace with God. We need somebody who will restore us and make us friends with God. And that happened. So that what we were has changed into something different of who we are. Because Jesus Christ has reconciled all things, including you and me, to God himself. And that makes us something different right now because of Jesus and us capturing it, hanging on to it in faith. That word reconcile. I remember as a kid, I just didn't understand that. I don't know what age. I just remember early on, reconcile. You know how you get to learn words and figure out sooner or later what they're all about? I guess if I can remember, it was when people were talking about divorce and the husband and wife needing to reconcile. And I thought, yeah, yeah, it came to me. Getting back together, being friends, even if the separation was to continue to make peace, to restore friendship. And it's in Romans chapter 5 that we read, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. It's a great picture, but it's even greater words because that is what changed us for today. Reconciled to God through the cross. That's why Jesus could look at his disciples then and say to them, and really say to you and me in faith today, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. That was in that famous chapter of John 15. I call you friends. Hear that. Own that in faith. Friends are there, and that's who they are. Someone who is there for you and me. Someone who is there to help us and to care for us. A friend is somebody who is honest with us. And one who loves you and me no matter what. Plug Jesus into that role. Because that's his role for you right now. What you were, but what you are right now, he's there for you. He cares for you and helps you and me. He's honest. Honest with us. And love, he loves us no matter what. No matter what. That is Jesus for us all in faith. Is that it? Well, not really. There's more. What's next? Being reconciled with God through Jesus, we're called 
to a ministry of reconciliation. You heard that through God's word this morning. A reconciliation ministry. Go back to 2 Corinthians with me for a moment and hear again some of those words that Paul wrote to the Corinthian Christians. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and listen, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. What we've received, we've received to share, to live with, to minister to other people. You heard Jesus' words from the Sermon on the Mount today. We didn't hear his whole sermon, but there's one thing that stands out. Well, many, but one thing that stands out in this regard. Do you remember he said it? If when you're going to give your offering, your gift to the altar, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, first be reconciled with that person, and then go and give your offering. Now, we've heard that, no doubt. And we, in our congregation and church body, we say, you know, that has to do with Holy Communion. Make sure you're right with each other as you come together in this Holy Sacrament and Jesus comes with you. But if you heard when Pastor Sean read and when I just read, that's not the application that Jesus made. The application he made was when you're about to give your offering whether it's when you come in the door or give it online or give it, you know, in the old days when we passed the plate, that's when we need to be at one with each other. That's the dynamic of Christians who come together. First, be reconciled with one another. Certainly applies to communion, but first of all, to our offerings. That means that our goal in life, among other goals, becomes to be reconciled with each other. And it's not just a wish, it is a command. So what you see and what I hear is that reconciliation is a double dynamic, a, a two-dimensional dynamic. It is God to us, to be sure, but it's also us to others. And did you just see what I did? I made the sign of the cross. Reconciliation has to do with the vertical, but it also is a horizontal thing. It has that dimension as well. It's a personal call. It is for you and for me a personal ministry among all the other things. So how, how do you do that? Well, first of all, we are aware. We, we need to be aware. And secondly, you know, there's not an easy one, two, three, four that we can check off, but think about this, about putting our pride aside. You know, when things aren't right and things need to get better and will get better, a lot of times it's because our pride gets in the way. So we need to put that to the side and shelve it and make a new picture relationship with one another to make peace in one of a multitude of ways. I, I can't even begin to, to list ways, but you know, and the important part is what we've talked about this morning. I think about this, well, a little bit from time to time when I, I go to Facebook or I, I see on Facebook, you know, that 
we can befriend each other. And if I'm going to befriend you, I may get a request, and I can make that happen. Well, with God, he has made it happen. He has come to us, and he has made us his friends through Jesus. Jesus, God himself. And we respond just like on Facebook, well, better than on Facebook. Not by clicking a button, but by receiving him in faith and sharing that faith with each other. And what that does is bring broken hearts together. Not just our broken heart, but the heart of another and another and another through reconciliation. So remember this. You've heard it this morning. You've heard it before, but hear it one more time. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Keep it in mind. Keep it in life. For the sake of Jesus, amen.